Bad news on the elevator Bad news on the street Bad news on my car Bad news on my phone And good morning. Hello, it's Alicia Bales live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to hear Lucinda Williams again. <laughs> it gives me PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> a little bit. To the beginning of the pandemic. Aren't you just a little satisfied, though, that when we were playing that before during the pandemic, it really was like horrible, awful, terrible bad news, and now it's just kind of like a... Now it's settled into it's, it's like, normalcy. Yeah, yes. it's not... I There's guess we're just adjusted news. to yes. bad yes. news. Yes. Like so, a frog in the warming water, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. Although, you know, on a night like last night where the rain was pouring and the creeks are running, it's hard to be too upset. It was a very, very lovely storm. It was indeed. So, but let's um, let's turn toward the the bad news in your world with the emergency room and and um, people getting sick from this triple demic. Let's just give people an update on what's happening with them, all of the viruses in our community. <laughs> well, there are plenty to go around. Um, we did the show, I think, right around Thanksgiving, as I recollect, and we were here in Mendocino County. Uh, a bit ahead of the curve, if you will. Uh, we were being crushed uh, with patients in the emergency rooms and had very high level of uh, viral burden um, in the community, particularly amongst the pediatric uh, component, but also in the adult component. Um, and that really started beginning of November um, and continued more or less the entire month. During the first week of December, we saw a slight easing in the um, volume and the acuity, um, and that has continued. It hasn't, it hasn't completely regressed to a sort of a background, but it is manageable. Uh, we're not seeing, you know, 20, 25 people in the waiting room of the various emergency rooms. Um, hospitals chronically run full, but they are not quite as bursting at the seams as they were a month ago. Um, we are still seeing a fairly high number of people with COVID um, and, and with RSV and with influenza. Um, but I would say just sort of ballpark, we're down about 30% from where we were a month ago, which makes a huge difference in terms of delivery of healthcare. And is it the same kind of pattern? Is it mostly children coming in and, and needing care? It's well, the, the the massive pediatric crush um, has eased considerably. I, I think, Once finals were over? Yeah, I, I think most kids caught a bug or two um, during the month of November, maybe the first week of December. Um, not not a high degree of morbidity and certainly not mortality, but a lot of sick, febrile kids. A lot. Um, and that has eased considerably. Now yeah. we're still just seeing you know, sort of a heavy volume, particularly of influenza, um, and specifically influenza A, um, affecting adults, some of whom are getting quite sick from it indeed. Uh, and then still a trickle of COVID, um, sick COVID people coming in. I admitted a couple people um, in the last week uh, with uh, each uh, influenza and COVID. Um, and that's that's sort of the norm these days. So Has anyone come in with both? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can get both? Yeah. At the same time? Yeah. Well, you can test positive for both. Who knows ah. which one's making you symptomatic, but yeah. Wow. That just doesn't seem fair. No. Well. <laughs> so let's talk about the symptoms for these things, because uh, as far as I know, everyone has something at this point. It's very equitable. Yeah. It's, they're, they're very hard to distinguish, okay. frankly. So they're very um, similar. Yeah, and COVID, we used to talk about and rail against COVID being compared to the flu, but right now it kind of feels like it's in the same category. Yeah, it's funny. So, you know, holidays were upon us and I was having this very discussion with my brother about, um, about COVID versus the flu. Um, if you're fully vaccinated and boosted and up to date on your boosters, um, the risk, the morbidity and mortality risk um, is still the highest among the people who are either immune suppressed or uh, really quite elderly. Um, there still isn't much of a disease burden with COVID amongst children. Uh, we just haven't really seen that. Um, but if you're fully vaccinated, boosted, and you come to prompt medical attention, which would then allow you to qualify for Paxlovid, uh, the risks of COVID start to approach the risks associated with influenza um, for, say, an 80-year-old, um, which is a remarkable statement. I would not have said that 
almost three years ago, right? I mean, this has been going on for almost three years, if you can imagine. Um, and I wouldn't have said it because back in you know, 30 months ago, the risks were 10 to 15 times higher, at least, um, with those strains of COVID going through our population. But the the virus has changed uh we have changed and our treatments have changed and so they have really stabilized the caveat uh the asterisk is this mysterious thing called long covid and we don't really know what that looks like but we're pretty sure that there's not long flu right and so the the if i had to pick as an 80 year old which one i would want i would go with a tried and true flu um rather than the covid just because we don't really know how long covid plays out um and honestly we don't really know how being vaccinated um or going on packs of it affects um the incidence or the duration or the quality of long covid that's just still not really clear um i I'm not to be flippant about this, but RSV seems like it lasts a heck of a long time. It it can, yes. And it's 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 a little bit different from a lot of viral illnesses in that um, it comes on kind of gradually. Um, and then for kids, it tends to make children the most sick um, days four through six. Um, and so I, I will see somebody early on in an RSV type of illness um, and have to warn parents that they might be back with a much sicker kid in 48 hours. And it, it follows the same pattern with adults, and then it can have a very long sort of tail. So you get sort of maximally sick, and then the recovery just feels like it goes on forever. Forever. And also, I wonder, because um, I have an older kid who who is in college, and when he comes home for the holidays, he brings germs for me. Yep. Um, and I feel like... As I'm recovering from RSV, am I just like more susceptible to the other? There seems like a lot of things flinging around out there besides COVID, RSV, and flu. Like there's a lot of just colds running around too. Yeah, so I'm going to give you an idea. We have a assay, uh, a PCR assay at the hospital. Most hospitals have this assay. It's not cheap, so we don't use it very often, and it usually doesn't affect sort of our management. But I believe currently it's configured to test for 21 different respiratory pathogens, um, and that gives you an idea of how many are circulating, uh, including I believe three or four coronaviruses um, besides the coronavirus that we've been talking about for three years. Um, and so, yeah, there are a lot, um, and there are even more than just that assay. But we see, you know, when we do run that assay, um, it pops up with just about anything at any point. Oh, yeah, that's comforting. Well, and can, how many can you get at once? Again, like what's the most you you've ever seen? Full, you can go for a full Yahtzee, I suppose. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. all twenty-one. Yeah. yeah, right. You yeah. mark off your yeah. bingo card. Yeah. Um, and again, the symptoms for COVID, RSV, and flu are all similar? Well, it's hard to really... I mean, they each vary quite a bit. RSV is much more uh, predominantly a purely respiratory sort of illness. Lots of coughing. Lots of coughing, fevers, um, congestion, a lot of mucus production, particularly amongst kids. Um, and that's where kids get in trouble is they, they, they just get congested and plug up with mucus, and then uh, the, the inflammation and the mucus creates um difficulty breathing same with a you know same with the elderly with rsv rsv tends to be a fairly benign although unpleasant illness for the middle um 90 percent of age um but for kids under the age of two and for the very very elderly it, it can be dangerous so and then and then flu you know we all know flu it's it's just fevers fatigue you know very yucky yeah um and then there's covid which really is the great imitator of viral diseases Um, it's 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 like poison oak it's just it looks like everything yeah exactly huh okay so you really have to test to know for sure when do you know when to go in when is it when are you in a situation where you should go in well i you should go in um if you would entertain the notion of taking packs of it um and that is a a you know it's a pack of pills you take you take three pills twice a day for five days so it's 
it's a lot um but the data on it is remarkably good still um in terms of reducing the risk of hospitalization or death from covid um whether you're vaccinated or not the caveat is you need to have it started within five days of the onset of your illness so if you think you might have covid and you are willing to go on paxlovid then definitely get tested as soon as possible during that illness flu you know there's been a there's been an anti-flu medication antiviral medication for influenza it's been around for 20 over 20 years it is only marginally effective it shortens the duration of the illness by about maybe three quarters of a day it doesn't do a whole lot um but that that is there um some people do want to go on it and again it needs to be started um even sooner in the disease course typically within 48 hours i don't really worry too much about whether somebody starts on that medication because it's just not that helpful um but but for for the covid then yes you want to get started um you want to get tested and started early and all the pharmacies have this medication now it used to be in fairly short supply but it's, it's pretty widely distributed yeah point. i had seen something on the internet about how paxlovid wasn't available and i am at the point now where i just don't believe anything that i read on the internet like nothing so let I, me i haven't th- seen any local shortages there's no paxlovid. shortages no. paxlovid is available yeah. despite and most providers are pretty um generous in prescribing it um so you could probably even call your primary provider and say i just tested for positive for covid i've been symptomatic for a day or two and they can call in or send in a prescription for paxlovid i think that most providers at this point would accept that assertion it's not like there's a black market for paxlovid so okay now just before we open up the phone lines for questions and whatever else um when are you contagious with all is there a point where you're not contagious anymore because the way that these things hang on you know you just yeah, you just wonder it, there there aren't really i mean we have to come up with some sort of arbitrary and sort of made up um rule about when you can go back to work or when kids can go back to school in general you want to see the cough um resolve but with rsv that can go on for weeks honestly um and so a lot of providers are going to say you know 48 hours after the fever um which is reasonable because we know that the viral shedding for all these illnesses occurs early on in the disease course and actually probably um the most contagious point is day one um or day even negative one of some of these um it's just hard to give a very concrete um absolute rule about um transmissibility for each of these on an individual basis but kind of once you're done with the worst once, of the once you're done with the worst of it your cough is slowing you haven't had fevers for 48 hours then you should feel pretty good about not giving it to somebody else now you know i'm not seeing a lot of masks anymore but it's true it would be prudent it would be polite if you have a cough to wear a mask um for the duration until that resolves true that and also it's really a messy sort of lots of kleenex kind of thing like invest in you talk like somebody from personal kleenex (laughs) stock like they are doing well this holiday season um yes and so the mask is you know it's sort of on and off all the time yeah but anyway i wonder i could ask a million questions about my own experience but this is we are here for you to call in with your experiences your questions it's 707-895-2448 that's the number that'll get you right on the air i'm alicia bales live in the studio with dr drew colfax and we're here talking about the triple demic it sounds like it's eased it the volume has eased in the emergency rooms throughout the county but still higher than our numbers are still higher um and we're still seeing i mean it is you know viral season it is so-called flu season now everything's been upside down for the last three years i mean we're seeing influenza this past july which was um, unprecedented yeah so but it's it's a little bit higher even than we would expect for kind of a moderately bad year right now okay let's talk about while we're waiting for people to call in again at 707-895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 let's talk about vaccines there's a bunch of vaccination sort of opportunities throughout the county and i will i will read those in a in a moment but what do you suggest with the covid and flu vaccines well, that was a gimme. I know. Knowing my, uh, I'm not supposed to ask yes yeah. or no questions, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> you take it away. It's it's not too late to get vaccinated for the flu this year. Um, so if you haven't been vaccinated for that, then I would strongly recommend that you still go ahead and get the influenza vaccine. We've been seeing influenza A. Uh, there might be influenza B that comes around. It is a very good match this year. Um, some years it is less good than others, but this is a good match. Um, the the folks that come up with which vaccines to include in the quadrivalent uh, influenza vaccine um, hit the nail on the head this year. They were spot on as to which strain was going to become the worldwide version. Um, and so it is effective. Um, you'll still get flu. Um, it won't prevent you from getting flu, so let me just be clear about that. Um, but it will certainly make you get much less sick from You won't flu. feel quite as hit by a Mack truck. Not even close. All right, let's take our first call. Good morning, caller. You are live on the air. Um, yeah, I'm from Willis, and I'm just wondering, have they got a test to tell whether you've had COVID yet, or do they still not have that? Yeah, no, there is an antibody test, um, and it, it can be run. It, it's a send-out. It's not something that's done very quickly in any lab in this county. Um, so it's available. I... At this point, I, I suspect that there are fewer than 10% of the population that doesn't have antibodies to COVID. Um, it, it's found just about everybody at this point, either um, naturally or due to being vaccinated. And, I, and, and those would both trigger the test, right? So there's no way to say there's not a test that's out there currently, to my knowledge, that says you have had um, natural COVID versus you have antibodies induced by being vaccinated. That's the question I was wondering, so they still don't have a test. Thank you. are welcome. All right. Thanks for that first call. Getting us started. 707-895-2448. 707-895-2448. Call with your triple-demic questions, comments, concerns. It's been quite... I mean, so three years ago, none of us had really thought about COVID, right? Certainly not SARS-CoV-19. Um, two years ago, just about now, uh, the very first vaccines were being administered in this county. A year ago, we were at our massive surge in this county where we're seeing a thousand cases a day um, with very high number of hospitalizations and you know ICUs completely full no beds anywhere in the state of California so it has gotten a bit better it's gotten better yeah. good morning caller you're live on the air hi Alicia uh, got a got a practical question and an aspirational question for you uh, first of all I understand that home testing kits are available for free through the mail and uh, just a little information on that would be useful and then my aspirational question is uh, you know I've, I've read in a few places including the New York Times that um, you know there's another way of administering administering the vaccine which is a uh, uh, through the a nasal or oral thing and that um, that it's Many people think that it would be a better situation because it 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 deals with the virus where up in your upper at respiratory where it's more likely to prevent it from spreading because um, it's up there where you're breathing. Unless you know it's uh, more preventative than the way we're doing it now, and I understand there's a lot of logistical and financial reasons for that, but uh, a little discussion about that would be interesting. I think I'd like to know more about that. So those are my two questions, and I'll I'll take it on the air. All right, thank you. Yeah, there are free tests. I don't have that information at my fingertips, but the government will send out. I think they're still running this program. Um, three test kits, I think. Or? Yeah, except you only had a couple of shots at that. So oh, is that expired? yeah, yeah. If yeah. you if you, I don't know if they're still doing it, but if you ordered them, it's not it's not. Infin infinite you you got like two or three yeah. but you know every time i've walked into the clinic they've handed me a couple of tests which has been fabulous yeah, very the, useful the, the fqhc's throughout the county have a very generous supply of test um kits that they're quite generous and quite happy to hand out to anybody who asks at least while supplies last they're in they stacks say. it's yes. like christmas yes. over there yes and, and then regarding the nasal um form of a covid vaccine now there has been um, over the years, a nasal form of the influenza vaccine, which has, you know, some years been more widely uh, utilized than others. 
I personally find it kind of nasty, but uh, <laughs> but it is it's not more effective. Even though these viruses attach in the upper respiratory pa- uh, passages, and that's where they sort of gain entry typically into the body, um, that doesn't translate toward these nasal spray versions of the vaccine being more effective at um, doing what they do. Um, what they what the the advantage is obviously they don't require a vaccination um and so particularly for kids it might be a little bit easier they're a little bit harder to administer frankly a shot in the arm is a three-second affair and a nasal spray um particularly in a squirming two-year-old can be a little bit difficult um but they are out there i haven't i i know that they are developing them for influ for covid excuse me but i haven't seen actual deployment um, in terms of stocks of these being prepared and sent out um, in the U.S. I'm not sure if that's going to happen anytime soon um, because I'm not sure how much uptake there will be for this preparation. Um, But it is certainly something that um, the big pharma is looking at. Um, The CDC is pushing. Uh, It allows for much more readily ready development and deployment to um, developing countries as well. So, yeah, it's it's a good question, um, but not better um, than than the the traditional hypodermic syringe. Anecdotally, I've heard that this particular COVID booster makes people feel pretty bad afterwards have you noticed that and should people plan to take a day after after they get the shot um you know anecdotally again um i i think people tend to feel a little bit worse after the moderna booster um than the um pfizer booster but that's truly just anecdotal um uh, yes, um, now that we all have a good number of antibodies um, to COVID, uh, when we get the booster, our body knows it um, and they, it recognizes it. And so it is able to mount a much more robust um, immune response. And so, yes, people... That explains it. We're <laughs> people, victims of our own success. Yes, people do tend to feel kind of cruddy typically mm-hmm. not for 24 hours but more for 8 to 12 um, while your system revs up and responds to this antigen all right let's take our next call good morning caller you're live on the air yeah i just wanted to make a comment that i didn't hear before um uh, tests are available on the coast um at safeway for medicare recipients so it's four tests a month per person like my wife and I have been picking up four tests a month the last few months each, and it's just really easy. Walk into the Safeway here, and I'm just not sure what the other outlets are on the coast, but, you know, Medicare recipients, four tests a month, and that's been great for us. And oh, yeah, yeah, and some pharmacies sort of sporadically, and this is just by my own observational experience, actually just have two test two test kits or four tests um, available for free, sort of stocked up near the pharmacy window. Um, that has oh, sort of come and gone at various pharmacies through the county. So it's it's not. I don't have sort of a, a panopticon of which pharmacies are offering what right now, but the test kits are certainly widely available um it would be nice not to spend ten dollars on each test um which is kind of the price point still um and so that's great to hear that um safeways you know handing them out to medicare recipients and that that is obviously sponsored by by medicare so you know medicare for all would be nice right yeah and and it's just really great because we just walk in and they say yeah they're still doing it and every month they've said well, I don't know. Um, we're still getting them. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. And there's not a lot of clarity yeah. about that. What what is yeah. still what is still sponsored is Paxlovid. So Paxlovid is still um, a um, no cost to consumer medication. So you get prescribed it, the pharmacy gives it to you. Um, the bill goes somewhere else. Great. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the great show. Thanks for all the great information for so long. Really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for calling. All right. And thanks for helping out by letting us know about the tests available at Safeway on the coast. Um, Let's talk about some of the places people can get their vaccinations. Um, Inland in Covalo, Round Valley Indian Health Center by appointment. You can call 707-983-983. 
983-6181, extension 151, to schedule. That's 983-6181, extension 151, to schedule your vaccine at the Round Valley Indian Health Center in Covelo. In Laytonville, they're doing... Um, they're doing vaccinations at the Long Valley Health Center Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to noon and Fridays from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that's on Branscombe Road. All vaccines are available, including boosters and walk-ups are welcome. We'll continue with that list after our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hi there. I just wanted to give more information about availability of test kits. CVS Pharmacy, you could, uh, if you have... Medicare, or if you have insurance, uh, you can go to CVS and order test kits, and you'll um, provide your individual health insurance, which they have, you know, stored on online for you on your behalf. So um, you can go to CVS or call and get your test kits ordered. So it's not people are just handing them out like Safeway because they feel like handing them out. They are available through um, uh, insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, and it depends on what insurance you have. And it would be best to call your pharmacy or your um, health care provider to uh, make sure that is facilitated. Thank you for that. And All right. Yes, thank you. It's okay. good to know. Bye. Great. Well, and yeah, COVID tests used to not, home tests used to not be that available. Uh, and I have actually ordered them on Amazon too, you know, just to have some. I have done the same. Have yes. you? Just yeah. because it was hard to find them for a while. For a but while. Now yeah. they're, we're swimming in them. Yes. That's good. Yeah, it is very good. And frankly, it's it's good to have it. And, you know, I, you know, I, it'd be nice if we had a quick influenza test as well, right? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's like, you know, all these other illnesses. Yeah. I've never tested positive for COVID, but I've been pretty sick this winter. So, yeah, it's yeah. The question is whether it's going to change management, right? And, and typically, I only get a test if it's going to change what I'm going to do, right? Otherwise, it's just kind of a waste of money and time. Um, and so, yeah, it might be nice to put a name to what's making you miserable, but if it's just going, if you're going to continue to take ibuprofen, Tylenol, um, and you know, tell all of your friends how miserable you are, then you don't really need a name, or you can just make one up for it, um, and you know that works equally well. Yeah, I have never had the experience of going to the grocery store and having the entire cough syrup aisle be empty. Yeah, we actually ran out of cough syrup, I believe, in Ukiah um, last month. It was, it was. I, it, unprecedented. It reminded me of when Safeway ran out of all toilet paper um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Bizarrely, because it was not a GI illness at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so crazy. We are so lucky in this country. All right, let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, yes, hi. I thought it would be worth mentioning that if your COVID test kits are expired uh, by the date on the box, that there's a website you can go to which actually tells you how long they're good for. I don't have the website off the top of my head. Maybe Drew does, but um, I thought that was worth mentioning for your listeners. Yeah, and frankly, you know, the, the expiration dates um, on the test kits are there because they're required. Um, there's some thought that the reagents or the the liquid that you stick the swab into after you swab yourself or your family member um may expire i'm fairly skeptical of that frankly and so i you know the there is a website i don't have it off the top of my head where you can go and see how long these test kits are going to last uh in general um i i think you can rely on a um, test kit that has been expired um, for up to three months and probably frankly six it depends sort of how high risk um, your reliance is going to be on a negative test right so if you're going to do something that's very high risk um, and rely on that negative test which may be compromised in a you know a way out of date um, test then just get a fresh test kit but if it's only you know to make certain that you may or may not qualify for packs of it then you can probably actually rely on a, on an expired test kit um so you know there is a website google it if you want um but i don't have that in front of me yep 
Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thank you for that. It is uh, Dr. Drew Kovacs and Alicia Bales. We're live in the studio. We're calling it the local triple-demic update because, you know, I don't know. That's what we're here doing. And the phone lines are open for you to call in with your comments and questions. A lot of good information coming in. Now Now everybody's an expert, so that's useful. Yes. And we all have a little bit of information to help everybody else. 707-895-2448. 707 Two four four eight. We'll take our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Can you hear me? You're a little quiet, but I'll boost your level up here and go for it. I would like the doctor to explain what the three different illnesses are and the differences and how we can know which one we have. And I'll hang up now. Yeah, so it's you're not going to be able to distinguish these illnesses um, clinically, which is to say you're not going to be able to say um, describe your symptoms to a, to a provider, and that provider is going to be able to you know, diagnose you with a high degree of certainty with your having, say, COVID versus influenza versus RSV. All three of these are viral illnesses, right? So we're talking about viral illnesses um, in the setting of um, primarily respiratory transmission. So these get spread through the air, um, kind of the way we've been talking about coronavirus for the last three years, which is why the masks really help um, protect yourself from getting any of them. Um, during the first two years of the pandemic, for example, uh, when we weren't going into congregate areas and uh, when we weren't getting together very often and whenever we did get together we're wearing masks i literally saw no influenza at all we had essentially a season uh without flu for the first year of covid because everything that we were doing to stop the spread of covid uh stopped flu season in its track that year um and that actually carried through into the second year um quite effectively as well not quite as um, absolute, but still pretty effective at reducing the incidence of um, influenza. Likewise, with RSV, we really hadn't seen RSV in the pediatric population or any population for the last two and a half years. Um, and now <laughs> we're going back to normal, which we need to do, but suddenly we have a huge cohort of naive children um, who are spreading all of these diseases um, amongst themselves and amongst all of us um, in a manner that is pretty much indistinguishable in terms of one disease versus the other. I will say, because I still encounter this, although COVID has gone a long way um, toward um, addressing this misperception, but these are all viral illnesses and thus antibiotics are not effective, not indicated, in fact, usually contraindicated. Are there any diseases going around that, um, or illnesses, that actually can be treated by antibiotics oh yeah syphilis responds great to penicillin all right is that, uh, and unfortunately that is that's going around too a lot of syphilis in this county right now it's crazy yeah. um okay i have been hearing from people that part of the reason everybody's getting sick is because we've been isolating for so long and, and the immune systems are now responding to having not been being used because we've all been isolating and not getting sick and now everybody's getting more sick i'm i'm paraphrasing but yeah. you've heard it oh yes no and, and we're not getting more sick in the sense that our immune systems have gotten you know flaccid um over the last three years right so our immune systems have been doing their thing we just haven't been exposed to these um illnesses in the last couple of years because we've been wearing masks and doing all these things that prevent transmission of respiratory diseases great it's a it's a laudable goal um it's certainly a laudable goal if you're elderly and you're going to go into safeway or cvs or the co-op to do your shopping you know the masks work um going during less high volume times works right so all these things still work um, our immune systems are still working away being you know bombarded with you know hundreds if not millions of antigens a day that they respond to so so which you know goes to the our immune system can't handle the vaccine because it's a strain on our system kind of argument being complete bunk um, but um, 
what has happened is we just haven't had sort of this ongoing exposure that allows us to tamp down sort of the rapid transmission that we've been experiencing for the last three months. Is in every individual's RSV illness worse because they haven't had RSV for the last two years? Probably not, actually. Um, it's just there's a lot of it going around. So it's it's better to sort of have these things it's like fire <laughs> it's better to have them sort of burning at a low level through the it's community a controlled burn yeah yeah is that real uh no um it okay. would be nice to not have them at all right yeah. but they're not covid has now settled firmly into the background of respiratory diseases it's going to be with us for the rest of our lives it will continue to evolve in some sort of way hopefully we don't see a more virulent um, strain but it is almost certainly going to trend toward uh, greater contagiousness um, rather than greater uh, morbidity or mortality but it you know it still can mutate in a way that it, it could get worse. Um, well, and that current headlines about COVID are about what's happening in China, mm. uh, since there's a huge resurgence there of COVID and the, the risk of mutations coming out of the current surge in China. Can you sort of bring people up to date on that and, and give people your observation about whether yeah. or not that's a real risk? Yeah, I, I don't think that's a significant risk. I mean, right now we're, we're seeing you know at least 50 cases, and you can probably multiply that by five in this county alone, right? 50 cases a day. So we're, we're having a high degree of transmission in this county. Um, and that is sort of what we're seeing nationwide um, and really worldwide. So it's not just China that's this breeding ground for a super strain of COVID. That that that's hysterical. Um, what what China is experiencing is sort of the repercussions of an extremely. Um, strict lockdown that has really ex persisted up until what six weeks ago um and a fairly ineffective vaccine program with a vaccine that is not as good um and so you have fairly low degree of vaccine uptake in the in the population in china with a vaccine that's less effective and that combination of events has really set them up to have sort of the dreaded massive overwhelm of the um, healthcare system that we were worried about, you know, three years ago, and and our ice got quite thin at times. Um, it's you know fairly thin on the best of days, um, but it became fairly tenuous even with everything that we did uh, two and a half years ago. There were weeks to months where we really did not know if we we're gonna if the system was going to hold. It did barely, um, with a fair amount of inconvenience for a lot of patients. Um, but China right now is in a scenario where they, I think, are going to be in complete overwhelmed mode for probably several months. As it all kind of avalanches at once. Um, all right, well, let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um I'm calling about long COVID. Uh, my son had, had COVID more than a year ago, a very mild case, but then he ended up with long COVID, with extreme exhaustion and all of the symptoms of that. Oh, shucks. Well, I can, I can speak generally about long COVID. Um, we, you know, we, we really don't understand it very well yet, honestly. Um, it's, it's very nebulous and is likely going to remain fairly nebulous going forward. Uh, there is not a great deal of correlation uh, between the severity of the initial COVID illness and long COVID. Um, there are known sort of cases where people had an asymptomatic COVID infection and then are thought to have long COVID symptoms. But it's also so diffuse um, and hard to pin down that any sort of constellation of symptoms could be ascribed to, quote, long, long COVID, close quote, the problem, and there are going to be, you know, snake oil salesmen who come out of the woods to treat long COVID, but there really is no 
treatment for any of it. Um, and so, you know, treating chronic fatigue, treating chronic exhaustion, um, you know, chronic chest pain or shortness of breath, all of which um, go with long COVID, um, those are things that can be dealt with, but there's not a long COVID specific um, treatment. Oftentimes, just ascribing a name to the constellation of symptoms is actually helpful. In other in other situations, in other individual situations, uh, I would submit actually that ascribing the name long COVID is detrimental um, because it allows people to fixate on something that really can't be changed. Um, but it's real. It's there. Um, you don't want it. Um, and it's also a very vague, um, low degree of certainty diagnosis. All right. Let's take our next caller. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hey, good morning. At this point, I have long appreciated your program. Good. Two weeks ago. I'm sorry? Go ahead. We're just having a little technical problems with your connection here, but go ahead. Oh, I hope you can hear me okay. Yes, you're great. Go for it. Oh, okay. So about two weeks ago, the federal government did release another round of free COVID tests. And if you go to COVID test.gov they'll send you two boxes you know for a total of four tests and mine came in about five or six days even though it was right at Christmas time so that was uh, impressive <laughs> cool good to know thank you yeah this time they're in a blue box I think it's Binax or something they used to be the orange and white box once I got those and then they said I had gotten all my allotment but you know free and delivered to the door and I'm also the old guy who's still wearing an N95 mask indoors. But the other thing I found is real effective is I still wear my old cloth mask whenever I listen to your program. And so anecdotally, that seems to work too. Well, you fortunately can't get COVID through the radio, at least unless we're using a 5G tower, and then it just sprays it. But yeah, no, I I appreciate the fact that you're wearing an N95. Um, It's... Double masking is a good technique. I use it when I'm doing sort of close procedures with COVID patients in the ER. Um, but you know, for for the majority of us, um, we are unfortunately transitioning, or fortunately, depending on one's perspective, to a post-masking world. I proudly and gladly wear my mask whenever I go into a public venue because. I don't find it that burdensome to just to grab a mask and go into the you know the grocery store and shop and then once I'm outside and away from people I take it back off again. It's it's so routine for yeah, me exactly. um, that I don't mind I mean, it. I don't want to get sick. Um, and whether it's COVID or flu or RSV or one of the other 27 um, you know viral illnesses circulating in any um, public space right now, I'd rather maximize my chance at not contracting that just to pick up a sack of potatoes right exactly amen all right, <laughs> all right. thank you so amen. much for the call so anyway, that's COVID. it's covidtest.gov great oh, thank perfect. you and thanks for um okay. wearing keep the up, masks <laughs> while you're listening to us um i wonder uh it's almost new year's and some of the things that we're thinking about are like you know how to improve health happiness wellness all of that how since these are viral illnesses where there's not much in terms of treatment once you get it, um, how, what's the best way to take care of yourself? Should you just take the week off and crank up the Netflix and, you know, drink tea? And I'm, I'm a big proponent of maximizing ibuprofen and acetaminophen. <laughs> um, plenty of fluids, plenty of sleep is really, is really the solution. But, you know, staying on top of the ibuprofen and acetaminophen and doing it kind of on a scheduled basis is going to make your life much better for the first, um, you know, for the acute phase of the illness. Um, these are each quite safe medications when taken in the appropriate dosage um, and have very low incidence of side effects. And, you know, they're, they're cheap, <laughs> they're off patent, um, and they work. And they're often available. They are almost always available. You can certainly go to any pharmacy and buy a, you know, a 1,000-pill bottle of each. Um, last you for well past the expiration date. All right. Good. Uh, let's take our next call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for the great show. Um, question about COVID vaccinations. Uh, if you've never had 
uh, of COVID vaccination, uh, they require you to get the original vac- vaccination series before you can get the bivalent uh, vaccine. Um, why not just use the bivalent one as a primary series? I That's a good question. I'm not sure that everybody is following that guideline. Um, and the the rash the basis for that is that it's what was studied and tested in these in these clinical trials, right? And so um, the federal government tends to be a stickler uh, for better or for worse in in these kind of scenarios. I kind of suspect, frankly, that if you went to your FQHC and you asked for your first um, um, COVID vaccine, A, they would ring a bell because you're a late adopter, um, and then B, um, you would probably get vaccinated with the bivalent. Um, but I, I can't guarantee you that. I'm not even certain that these that most of these FQHCs are stocking sort of the original formulation of the Pfizer or Moderna. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, and then requiring it before uh, the bivalent. But yeah, the question is, yeah, why not? Except the, the Moderna's half a dose, so you have to give a full dose uh, to make it, uh, you know, the primary series. Right, but again, the the reason why that's being required by the feds is, um, you know, it, it it that's how the drugs were developed and tested in clinical trials, and so that's what has been, you know, validated, sure. and that's really kind of the the short answer. Clinically, rationally, no. I mean, you're exactly right. It makes no sense to, you know hold off on giving you the you know, sort of the more um, up-to-date bivalent uh, versus the original formulation. But, you know, federal government doesn't always move quickly, um, even though the previous caller got test kits in five days. So, you know. <laughs> well, thank you for your take on it. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks. And bivalent means... Yeah, so it, it's it's the newer form that came out um, to address the BA um, strain. It's already a little bit out of date, actually. Um, Does it mean like two or more yes, strains? Yes, exactly. So I want to be. I want to sound smart here. Yes, yes. So it means that it it has the original. Um, formulation and then they have tweaked it and included uh, something that um, hits the newer BA strain as well. Okay, so um, tweaked and bivalent. Then, and then, you know, for example, the influenza um, vaccines are um, they either have three or four um, valences to treat different strains of influenza. And do they say trivalent? And quatrivalent, yes. Quatrivalent, okay. Yes. Excellent. Yes. New Year's party, I will yeah, brag yeah. about people, valences. People will give you wide berth. <laughs> yeah. I know too much. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, that's you. Hello. Hi, it's you. Hi. Hi, Dr. Colfax. Um, it seems to me that this pandemic has really exposed some serious problems to the ability of our national health care systems to respond to an epidemic. And I wondered... What would you like to see set up to deal with future national health challenges? And are doctors organizing and pushing for changes at this time? Yeah, I mean, it's you're exactly right. It really did expose sort of what a bloated, expensive, and lousy system our healthcare delivery is in this country, and not just for sort of national uh, epidemics or pandemics, um, but for healthcare delivery in general. Um, it 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 exposed it was the great revelator, if you will, and exposed a lot of these weaknesses. A lot of the a lot of the patches, a lot of the fixes that we did on the fly um, also revealed what works, right? So it's great to have free vaccines. It's great to get free drugs when you need them. Um, And when I say free, I mean no cost to the consumer, um, clearly cost to the taxpayer and the federal government. But that is, you know, that is the way healthcare should work. Um, And yeah, it's, it's clear to me and to a lot of my colleagues that the solution for this is um, a Medicare for all universal health care system. The bureaucracy and the redundancy and the inefficiencies of our current system um, are staggering. Um, and it could be made better, right? It really could. Whether we have the political will or not is another question. Um, our doctors or 
organizing and pushing for this? Sure. Um, but are there billions and billions of dollars on the other side um, from big pharma and from the big healthcare chains pushing against it? Absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, it's a question of whether there is the political will to start moving toward a perhaps graduated Medicare for all programming. I mean, it'd be very easy to say we're going to drop the age of Medicare by one year each year, um, and suddenly we have closed the gap between the age of, um, you know, childhood to you know adulthood all the way up to 64. Um, and so that would not be hard to do. Um, you know, from a from a logistics standpoint, but uh, that's just not gaining political traction. It's not even really on any political radar, I don't think. You know, Obama um, fought long and hard and expended a vast amount of political capital on um, rolling out quote Obamacare, um, but. I don't think that there's going to be appetite to repeat that um, anytime soon. And that came with cost, right? I mean, <laughs> the Democratic Party had a fair amount of cost. There was not any expenditure of energy on, you know, the judiciary, for example, or on some of the environmental programs that could have been fought for just as much. And so when are we going to get there? I don't know. You know, should I just move to Canada? Probably. How'd they do it? Yeah, right? Or all of Europe? I mean, come on. Yeah, well, um, it is one of the large problems uh, for our generations to confront, I suppose, along with climate change. These are very big problems. Well, yes, it's just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we have one minute left. So um, we won't spend any more time on like sound bites, but we should do some more programming on on this and have a more of a community conversation about this. But it is the end of the hour, and we are this is our last show of the year. So thank you, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy second day of Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Happy solstice. Happy Hanukkah and Christmas and all the other happy, happy, happy everything. Yes. Um, take it where you can get it. <laughs> Hope you get to spend good time with your loved ones, and I hope you're not feeling too much of the brunt of this um, viral viral burden. Any last words from you, Drew? No. Be safe. Have a safe New Year. Um, I'll be working. I'd rather not see you in the ER. Um, and uh, take care of yourself and each other. And we can expect to hear from you periodically in the New Year? You call and I come. Uh, hurrah. All right. We'll, we'll take that. And um, thank you so much, everybody, for and for calling. And um, we will talk with you later. We're going to head on over to Fort Bragg with Susan Jewell and Loose Cannon Classics. Thanks so much. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. And